We are going to talk about systemic factors that affect the progression of women. And to address this topic, I have with me uh, Natasha Charles, an intuitive strategist and all-life coach from Philadelphia. Natasha, passionate about cultivating and maintaining a positive mindset through transformative, transformative conversations. She helps individuals and couple alike create a life that they love. She has a former career in senior administration where she served as a high impact dynamic leader and change agent with over 15 years of experience in the nonprofit, medical education and higher education. She also parents Natalie, an amazing, vivacious, twice exceptional child. Uh, Natasha is open, curious, inquisitive, philosophical, and an intellectual by nature. She's been told on many occasions that she has a superpower, which is her ability to connect and relate to others. Natasha also a CrossFit fitness enthusiast. She is involved in the New Thought movement and creates Afro Bio Mineral Balance vegan recipes. That sounds um, pretty um, interesting. Welcome, Natasha, to the Merging Life and Money Show, and welcome, followers and listeners. Thanks for joining in today. Thank you. And a notebook, as you might want to take some notes to discuss further with family members, friends, colleagues, uh, etc., because it is all about sharing values that could benefit others. So to give today's show some context, let me say that while the gap between men and women continues to narrow in many areas, it is important to address the financial realities confronted by women today. It is a fact that women are less affluent than their male counterparts. Consequently, they must equip themselves with the relevant financial tools to live the life they know they deserve. I'm going to uh, say that since 1960, I would say, women's participation in the labor force has grown significantly. They do not only work longer hours, but they also pursue higher education in greater numbers. However, despite this progress, women still earn less than men, and it gets worse if you are a woman of color. This situation is known as the gender gap, or I would say the gender wage gap or pay gap, as it reveals the difference in earning between women and men. So I am going to turn it over to Natasha so she can tell us more about the systemic factors that hinder the progression of women. So Natasha, what would you say are the major drivers of the gender wage gap? So I would say that, and and thank you so much, MJ, for for having me today. I just couldn't start without saying that. Greatly appreciated. At the heart of the gender pay gap, as you just said, women are not being equally compensated. For every dollar that a man earns, a woman on average is earning 80 cents. And it wasn't always 80 cents. Before now, it was less than that. 
underlying this particular structure of women is women who were being controlled through gender and societal expectations, patriarch patriarchal norms, and socialization to be nice, to accept what is given, to not negotiate, to not be domineering, to be to not be demanding. There are women who have done these things and they've been branded. As you may know, there are women who have been called the not so nice B word because they are driven, they're ambitious, they are demanding, they ask for what they want, they have high standards and they've been penalized for being this way. And I could go on about the impact of, of labels and for the sake of time, I'll say that they've been utilized to control women morally, behaviorally, and also psychologically. A recent report indicated that women are experiencing burnout due to endeavoring to continue being stellar in their careers while managing increased responsibilities at home. In addition, according to a report, a recent report by McKinsey and Company about women in the workplace, women are more likely to take on unpaid work in the workplace with no impact on their ability to be promoted. They also typically do not negotiate their salaries or ask for raises. In fact, Indra Nui, Indra Noy rather, the iconic and history-making former chairperson and CEO, recently shared in an interview that for years, she never asked for a raise despite increases in her responsibilities at work. Her, in, her viewpoint was created in discussions with her husband. She, they both had this belief that they were earning more money than they'd ever seen. And so they just, they just keep working. And it wasn't until an executive came to her and shared with her that her compensation should be increased, that her salary and benefits were brought into alignment with what she was doing at the time. Which brings me to another point. Women will wait to be noticed and promoted rather than promote themselves. And in, in closing, I'll just say to this point that Carla Harris, a powerhouse in the finance industry, she's a barrier breaker, she's a woman of color. She said, ask yourself, and this is a point that was made to her, by the way, when she was climbing the ranks. Ask yourself if the discomfort, the fear is worth the money that you are not going to be paid because you are afraid to have that conversation. Okay, uh, very, uh, as I, I like to say, lots of uh, food for thoughts here. And, uh, and that's a topic that I continu continually address uh, when I can in, in, in Emerging Life Emerge Show, because those are factors are so many, right? And when it comes to the, um, uh, gender uh, pay gap, um, I mean, as women, we get it from everywhere, okay? So um, it's a lot of segregation even in, in, the, in the type of industry that women are working. You know, there are some really big, um, how to say that, societal expectation that women must be nurses and, and guys must be uh, technician or, or, you know, tradesmen. Right. Uh, and I'm not even talking about the academic side of things. Right. right? And uh, it's, uh, it's also a lot to say about um, 
the, the difference in years of experience because women, as you know, child wearing, child bearing, um, you know, they are the one um, more, more of probably a bit, a little bit less now because they talk about paternity leave and all this kind of stuff. But generally speaking, women are the chosen or self-appointed one to care for the family. Let it be kids or their, their aging parents, right? So, and they're burning out absolutely. trying to do it all. Yeah. So, and it's a number, a number of matters that influence, in my view, this whole issue of um, uh, gender uh, pay gap. And uh, as I like, to, I like to say, uh, to be continued. So another factor um, that affects women, and for some people, I mean, uh, to, to me, it, it is a theory um, that has been created. <laughs> we, we, could, we could agree to disagree on that one. But, right. Uh, that right. thing called imposter syndrome is a big piece that um, it's, could be, um, I guess it's several schools of thoughts on that. But tell me, what are your view? What is your take on this? So imposter phenomenon, which is better known as imposter syndrome, is a term that was introduced in 1978 by doctors Pauline R. Clance and Susan A. Imes. Women reported a sense of intellectual phoniness. They felt like fakes, they felt like frauds, like they didn't belong where they were in their careers or they hadn't earned their positions or their titles. And it, it's not only within the, the realm or the sphere of, of their careers. Women can feel like imposters in many different areas of their lives. And the impact it's mild to severe. Women have reported depression, feeling depressed, feeling anxious. They've reported feeling suicidal. Women have reported that their self-confidence, their self-worth, their self-esteem, and their self-efficacy has been impacted. And, you know, these effects, they, they get to the heart of one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about the work that I do. Because, you know, many times clients in this instance, women, they're, they're not aware of the limiting beliefs in their, self -con their subconscious mind until something or a series of events occur. And I'd really like to, to work with women to shift these beliefs, to empower them and create resilience. And then from the space of the high self, a woman is much more adept at being aware much sooner of experiences that are impacting her. And she's able to assess her experience to make distinctions between a legitimate performance issue, workplace bullying, racism and sexism, which are issues that have been reported when talking about imposter syndrome. And also a woman can then make powerful choices regarding what she's experiencing. And in addition, women who are transformed, MJ, women, a woman who is transformed has a multiplicative impact across spaces. She has an impact upon her children, in her home, in her career, in her society, and in the world. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree uh, with you on that. But um, my, we had that, we had to have um, hours of discussion on that particular matter, and uh, yes, I I do appreciate that. But um, 
I, when it comes to me, I, I make no excuse, okay? If I, if I took the time to educate myself and to, be, to become the person that I am, it, there are no apologies, okay? Uh, but again, uh, um, it has a lot of bearing on what I would call mindset, and that mindset is really driven by, um, you know, culture <laughs> and your circle of influence. So, and in my in my estimation, if I if you cannot accept me for what, who I am and what I do and what I did, uh, perhaps I don't be, I don't belong in that circle. Okay, so that's my view on it. Right. So, um, let us carry on because we still have one more one more aspect, uh, one more factor of the so many factors that we want to address, uh, which is um, I would say last but not least. Uh, Let's talk about the access to um, venture capital funding. Uh, and I know um, the, uh, it, and when I'm saying access uh, for women to venture capital funding, which I, be, which I know it's a subject very near and dear to your heart. It is indeed. And I'll start, I'll, I'll start with a few statistics. Last year, $156 billion of venture capital were awarded. Okay. Women received $4 billion of those dollars. Wow. That's 2.6%. And this isn't, this isn't unique to last year. Women have consistently received two to three years, two to three percent of the venture capital awarded awarded for years. And as you said, this is juxtaposed against documented proof that women founded companies outperform male led companies. And let me take a step back. You talked about women being more educated. Let me now add to that and say that there is documented proof that women founded companies outperform male led companies. And yet, women have been consistently awarded less venture capital funding to the tune of two to three percent. And individuals of color, it's even less. It's like one percent. Yeah. So, so um, tell me, from where you sit, how can we change this? How could we shift this paradigm? Well, part of, part of shifting anything starts with awareness, right? Awareness builds consciousness. And consciousness is that which manifests. And dominant thought is that which prevails. So we're talking about shifting thinking and creating awareness in how people are thinking about where they're awarding venture capital dollars and why. I recently attended an investor informational meeting and one of the women that I talked to shared with me that it was only recently that a group that she's a part of became aware that, oh my goodness, we haven't really invested in individuals of color. There are lots of groups out there that are endeavoring to do great work. There's just creating more awareness is a piece of widening the scope and doing things with a different intention. 
and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, let me say as well that uh, I totally uh, agree with you, you know, when it comes to the uh, who gets a seat at the table, okay? Uh, but um, a part of me is telling me as well that that whole situation about imposter syndrome could be um, an explanation, for lack of a better term, uh, of why sometimes uh, we are left behind. Um, so, and that's why I'm saying, and I totally understand, but if you work hard for it, you, 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 you feel that you deserve it, it's not a feeling, you deserve it, uh, there should be no apologies. Right? But, um, I mean, it's not that simple, clearly, <laughs> because uh, there are some, you know, uh, uh, society has uh, some norms that are getting uh, working down as we progress and probably uh, not being broken down soon enough, as far as I can, for, for my liking, right? But as women, professional women, women of all walks of life, you know, they must be, as you said, aware and live a conscious life when it comes to things like this. And they have to uh, kind of remove their head from the sand and realize that there are other um, uh, subject matter out here uh, that they, they, they um, how to say that, that they are actually they are eligible for. Because just imagine 60% of the household in America are led by women. Yes. <laughs> okay, so when they say, oh, well, finance, no, that's not for me. I mean, they are the, 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 the CFO of, uh, uh, of the house. Right. <laughs> they make the financial... CEO, CFO, <laughs> CLO, CIO. They are the chief... They're the entire C-suite, MJ. So we we got we got to take a look at all of that, and and, and I and I think um, this topic is very very interesting and enlightening, uh, and I, I could see um, uh, to be continued uh, somewhere along the way. So anyway, um, I think this has been an interesting uh, few twenty minutes that we have spent together here. Uh, so I'm going to uh, wind down some and. And sum it up what we just talked um, a few for the past uh, 20 minutes. So, today we talked about systemic factors that affect the progression of women, and we focused uh, specifically on gender wage gap, the imposter syndrome <laughs> or phenomenon that, that's what it used to be called, uh, and the access to venture capital funding uh, by women. So I'm going to turn uh, to Natasha again one more time. Uh, I'd like to thank you for your contribution to the show today. Quite informative uh, and quite, um, as I said, food for, uh, food for thought. Um, a lot for women to think about. And uh, so Natasha, tell me, uh, and also tell the listeners and followers, what does an intuitive strategist and an all life coach do and why do you do 
what you do? So an intuitive strategist is someone who is, well, here's what I'll say. I developed my coaching practice. When I developed my coaching practice, my vision was to create a, a business that would help people and create something with love and from the heart. I also wanted to create an experience that was ultra personalized and customized. And intuitive coaching with Natasha Charles is intuition, intelligence, love, prosperity, and abundance. It's utilizing the transformative conversations method that I developed, which includes deep inquiry, a very specific way of listening, and shifting those limiting beliefs to create the client from the inside out, and then guiding that client as she creates a life that she loves. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, I hope, well, I did enjoy the conversation, so I'm sure that listeners and followers and those who are going to catch the replay would totally um, um, enjoy that, enjoy enjoy the show, the today's show. And um, and I promise you that we will continue to address those many systemic factors that are affecting the progression of women. Um, this, this is a, a, an additional movement in the making. So before I forget, Natasha, please give the audience your contact information. And yeah. I think it's running on the banner, but go along um, and, and um, please um, you know, um, share your information. Absolutely. I have a website, natashacharles.com. I also have an email address. It's natasha at natashacharles.com. And fairly soon, you'll be able to find my writing on Forbes.com. As you know, MJ, I've recently been invited to be a member of the Forbes Coaching Council, unofficial. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Very excited. <laughs> Just eager and waiting to make my official announcement. However, I'll share that with your, your viewers, your listeners here. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, thanks again. Um, and uh, as you know, um, all of you, I like to end the show with a quote. And today's quote is from Nelson Mandela. And it reads, freedom cannot be achieved unless women have been emancipated from all kinds of oppression. Okay. Wonderful. So um, a big thanks to you, Natasha, for your awesome contribution today. Okay. Thank you, MJ. Uh, we are really looking forward to uh, having another discussion in the not-too-distance future to continue addressing those factors. Absolutely. Okay. So thanks again. Thank you. Okay. Uh, for more information about how to achieve financial wellness, from the inside out and live a purposeful life with the money you have. Join me next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Atlantic Standard Time for my Bermudian pips over there, 10 a.m. for my Australian friend, and that is 10 a.m. on Friday. So thank you for being here today on the Merging Life and Money Show. I am your host, Marie-Jo César. I will be back again next week. Until then, 
Continue your dream, life and money. Bye for now.